to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. This is episode 153. My name is Jordan Wiegand, and with me today is a man that I'm currently in negotiations with for another four-year cycle, Logan Stump. Jordan, look who we are. We are the dreamers. We make it happen. Well, the fans are very upset that I'm even engaging in negotiations (laughs) with you. but (laughs) I, I mean, I got you this far, Jordan. Um, <laughs> yeah. isn't that enough? That's true. You, That's what true. were you without me in 2018? Uh, yeah, not, not, not well. <laughs> they didn't even have a show for right. that World Cup. <laughs> oh boy. But we are talking the round of 16 in the World Cup, uh, which I had accidentally put as the round of 15 originally. So I had to edit that. <laughs> I didn't know what I did wrong there. I guess I hit the wrong <laughs> number, but yeah, I made sure I edited that because I was like, can you believe if people saw that, they'd be like, these people don't even know what they're talking about. They don't even know math. Yeah. There's a team with a buy or whatever, right. uh, but <laughs> some teams playing two teams. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't think this episode will go too long. Logan's had a long day. I've had a similarly long day. The USA is not playing in these rounds, so it's going to be a little bit more focused on the broad rest of the world. Um, round it, we already talked to USA, Netherlands. That's not going to get featured in this at all. And then we're going to look ahead to the quarterfinals. And then we are going to, uh, um, I guess, then we'll record at another time probably monday if possible uh we'll probably go live for the quarterfinal recap and looking ahead to the semifinals which i'm off those semifinal days and then we'll have to record another episode to preview the final and third place game um as long as logan is stateside during that time 
I should be. I okay. Should be, so. I was going to say, everything's in motion. Yeah, everything was in motion, and I, I think I should be here. So Okay. It would be not called the Stateside Soccer Show. It would be called Across the Pond Soccer Show. Yeah. Between two ponds. I don't know. Between, I don't know. Well, well, we'll workshop that if that ever happens. Makes you ponder. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's open up the show uh, with what I was alluding to when I introduced Logan. That wasn't just shade I was throwing him. It was... Uh, Something that came out today or yesterday, right, of the possible extension for Greg Berhalter and um, how they were engaging in that. He was thinking of going to manage in Europe and talks have started. But have they? Because like literally an hour or two ago, Taylor Twelman was retweeting stuff from what Ernie Stewart said and Ernie Stewart said this as we always do after a major tournament we are taking time to reflect we will conduct a full review with everyone involved as we determine our next steps we look forward to building off the performance in qatar and preparing for the journey towards 2026 so twelman is reading that as saying negotiations have not started because they're still in the middle of the review so uh we had a whole i had a whole segment planned of where we were going to maybe talk about (laughs) why we were engaging in it at all but there you go uh we may not be (laughs) i don't know your thoughts logan i know we talked about it last week so we don't have to go on for a long time about it but just your thoughts when you originally heard that maybe negotiations had started hated it um (laughs) i was not a fan um i am a, a fan of them moving on and jordan and i talked about this and we texted all the time that Greg is good at what he did, I think, developing young players and getting them ready to compete at this level and to get back to it. I mean, kudos to Greg. He did it. He got us back into um, the World Cup. But that being said, I think with, uh, you know, I think he had a lot of leeway just because of what happened in 2018. And I texted you this earlier today. I was like, you know, there's not much to really go off of. Uh, If you're looking at, okay, well, where were we in the past and where are we now? If you reflect on that, we're a lot better off than we were in 2018. That being said, I do think with the roster that he had and maybe some of the decisions that he made, um, I think that this team stood a better chance to go on to the round of eight. Um, We kind of just bow out. Uh, I think this roster was extremely talented. Um, It would be interesting to see what would have happened if we had a top-level coach for the England game. But, I mean, I I think it's it's a matter of, like, we we watched uh, World Cup qualifying. we watched World Cup qualifying this whole time, um, and uh, there were a lot of moments, Jordan, where we both questioned what the hell he was doing. So, again, I think in big moments, he tends to not be there. Um, it just so happened that in the World Cup, he wasn't really given that opportunity just because the the, the Netherlands game just got out of reach. So, um, it's time to move on from him, but uh, it, it is. I think it is better now, I guess, if we're – sitting here saying we're now going to reflect on the the decision and, and what happened. But um, I was not a fan of them holding talks with him if that was the, the rumor that was going to be true. I think he'll decline it anyway. I, I think he wants to try Europe again. Um, I think some team might take a chance on him. They'll see how well we played against England. They'll see some of that stuff. They might see that we didn't score a lot, but then Burholter can literally point to the <laughs> – the nines that we have and be like, this is what I was given. Right. That's kind of like the excuse international managers are able to kind of use. I saw somebody kind of defending Berhalter online in the sense of like, 
and that's fine. He, he did well, but it's like, you know, like, uh, who else is going to want this? Um, not so what they say, not so, uh, like great job. And I, that's where I kind of thought pushed back as we were talking about last week of, Hey, we're going to be hosting it in 2026. This core is now experienced. Like, I don't know. I think that's an attractive job. I, I do. I think that is an attractive job. I do want to share one thing with you, Logan. This was uh, this is what Burhalter said to uh, the Federation um, when uh, when they were talking about the uh, <laughs> about the negotiations. You were right about one thing, Master. The negotiations were short. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the first thing that came to my mind when we're talking about like negotiations have started. Oh no, they they may not have. It's like okay, well yeah, they were short. I think I think a lot of Twitter though was more like this. (laughs) But uh, I do have a question for you though, like on Twitter. Um, I guess speaking to the other side, like there, there's people on Twitter that write that, you know, why aren't we impressed with what Greg's done? Like he took a college level team, aged team, sorry. Um, and yeah, yeah. progressed them through the CONCACAF, which is just absolutely brutal to get through. Took us to the world cup, went up toe to toe against England. He's got a good resume. Why are we, you know, why are we looking at this as like, we need to move on and go to the next level. Well, for me, it's always like I've been saying is two cycles is too long uh, for, for usually any manager. So there's that, right? Um, so part of me is thinking the message is going to get stale and I've heard it from other players. I think 12 men or somebody was advocating. That's a former player for the same thing. So the message gets stale. You're going to need a new voice in there. So, I'll probably take the side of players who, who know, I know some players were also back in Greg that was coming out, but that was like, you know, I think, I think it was only like three or four players. And what are they going to say? If if they say they're not backing them and then he stays, <laughs> they're out of the team, right? Like th- that's probably going to happen. So there's some of that where it's politics, right? Uh, but I don't think I am amazed by the team, right? Like this is where we thought we would be. Round of 16 exit is kind of what we all thought, right? Going into this, um, I was worried about getting out of the group because I thought it was a tougher group than some people had thought. It ended up being a tougher group than some people had thought. Now, a lot of people put that on us by saying we didn't make it look easy. And I don't know, that's tough. That's really tough when you have Germany and some of these other groups, uh, other teams in these groups bowing out as well, right? Um. I'm happy to get out of the group, even if it was with three points. We ended up with five. That's pretty standard. We got out of there. Um, The the thing I think that really sours me on it is that performance against the Netherlands. But really, if you look at it, the England game is the only game where we played a full 90 minutes. Right? Maybe a full 90. I mean, like Iran, we played a great first half, bad last 20 minutes. Uh, the, the Wales game, 
great first half, terrible second half. England game, we were on fire. We just couldn't score, but we, we, you know, we played our hearts out for that one. Netherlands game, dumpster fire. People making, you know, not all of that's on Greg. People making uh, bad decisions, not following their person, all that kind of stuff is what it leads to, right? So I, I think it's like, yeah, you can phrase it however you want. Like we, we've already talked about before, like how Greg is able to get these players to be a brotherhood. He's able to recruit. He's able to bring in and get... Um, them up against Mexico and we play pretty well against them. But also what you have to look at for that, you can't give it all to Greg. You can't give it all to Greg. When you have Tata Martino being the worst Mexican manager of all time in a world cup. And then you look back to those games where we played them and looked pretty good against them. You're like, maybe if they had hired somebody else, we still lose those games. I mean, they had a lead in the nation's league final and we came back and were able to, to put that game away. So what, what I look at it as is not so like, I'm not taking credit away from him for that. I'm saying it's not all him. Right. And the same thing is when we win, uh, when we lose, it's not all him. It's a team effort. But my point being is we should be winning these CONCACAF games. We have much better young prospects than Mexico right now. We should be winning those games. Uh, we we should be getting to the round of sixteen, and now we have. And now he's got that. We've got that base, and it's time, like we said last week, uh, to build on that base now and look ahead to what we can do going forward for twenty twenty six. Like we said last week, we only get one of these, right? We only get one chance. I mean, we hosted in 94 as well. But, you know, you were what, two? Uh, I was three. Like, there's... uh, Joy wasn't born yet. Uh, So there's this... um, So we only get one of these, especially with how big the game is now in the U.S., right? 94 was still kind of niche here, right? Um, It has grown tremendously. And we have a squad now that is full of potential. And that's where I think another thing, I I feel like we're very balanced, Logan. Here on our show, we're very balanced. I know people just heard us complain about Greg for like five minutes and they might not think that. But when you look at online and you have some of those people say that this is the most talented team we've ever had, I don't buy that. It is the most potentially talented team we've ever had. Uh, we don't have a Dempsey. We don't have a Donovan. Pulisic is probably better than those players ever, right? But he's still young and raw while those players were able to reach kind of their full potential for the national team. So my point being is that I think some people overrate the the squad too. So some of those people that are really harsh on Greg are harsh on Greg because they think that this is a, a 2014 Belgian type squad, and it's not. It's not. I mean, our best player can barely get on the field for Chelsea in his natural position. You know, uh, Weston was having troubles with Juve. Sergino Dest was having problems with Barcelona. You know, like th- there's there's problems here where these people are not featuring every single week for their club a lot, and. I think sometimes people overrate that just because they're at the big club 
they're there. But that's like us saying Matt Miazga was at Chelsea. He never played for them. He was, a you know, part of the loaning squad for a while. So I think some people are way too harsh on Greg. I think some people are way too complimentary on him. He did exactly what he was supposed to do, and now it's time to take us to the next level and get somebody uh, else in here. Yeah, it's it's different than club. And I think so many people look at it as like a view of club because it's like, okay, well, we didn't have a successful year. Then we're moving on to the next manager or let's get a couple of years. And you don't have that option in country. Like a, a country team um, is a four-year cycle. It's going to be three and a half this time around. We've already qualified. Um, this will be much more about, and this is where I think Greg might lack too, um, where I think he's going to have a harder time I think because he, he did while we were qualifying and while we were playing friendlies, I think there were times where he had a chance to go out and try to find somebody that was going to be our number nine and just like used games almost against himself to try to figure things out. Like it seemed like he was just so stuck in playing certain players or bringing the same players in or cycling through the same guys that I think it kind of hindered him. Um, I, I, I do agree somewhat with the sentiment on on Twitter where it's like, once Greg gets to a comfort level with his guys, then he usually sticks with them. But then that all went out the window in the World Cup. So, I mean, it just it seems like he's very wishy-washy. And I think the inconsistency is kind of the problem, too, at times. I mean, Gio Reyna, from what we understand now, he's been completely healthy the whole time. So it makes you wonder what Greg saw or what he was you know, convinced of. But do we know I, that? Do we know that? I, I think it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, based on his Twitter and his Instagram posts and stuff, it seems like Gio was dismissive of the way that he was treated at World Cup. I don't know if you saw the post. No. It was very like short. Like you know how a lot of the players were like pretty long, elaborate. Like we'll be back. Blah blah blah. Gio's was very much like thanks, but looking forward to like the next part of the season, the second half. Like. Very like, uh, you know, I didn't have a good time. <laughs> it seemed odd to post it in that way. And and again, we, we may, we'll, we'll never know, I don't think, um, just because I think that's going to be close to chest for a lot of people. But um, it does seem that, you know, Greg has done what he needs to do. Like you said, I think he did good things. I think he's a hell of a recruiter. I don't think we get Eunice Musa. Um, if Greg's not there, I think Sergio Des considers the Netherlands if he's not. You know, Greg's not in that position to do recruiting. I think that the development of players in the United States national team like Brennan Aronson doesn't happen if Greg's not there. So I don't know if he writes this stuff, man, because if so, he he likes the third person. If so, I'm reading some of his stuff. After many months of injuries and many questions, Gio Reyna fulfilled his dream of playing in his first World Cup. We can so only say his account. Yeah, we can only <laughs> say that we are grateful to all the GR7 fans who were with them in these difficult moments. This says it's the official Gio Reyna account, so I don't I don't know. Um, That's interesting. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if uh, I, I can take that. But, I mean, it's weird. Uh, but I, I, I'm still wondering if there was something there. I mean, obviously, I, what I think is, and this will be something that will be probably debated for, you know, years until somebody writes a tell-all book or something. But my thought is he wasn't healthy enough to start. And he did feel, you know, Greg, 
I know Greg said that he didn't mean to say he was injured. What he meant to say was that he felt some tightness when he was training in that friendly before they started. And I think at that point they were being very cautious with him. And you might say, and I know people said, well, why would you be cautious with them at the World Cup? This is what it's all about. They do have club obligations. And, uh, I, you know, it could have been that Dortmund asked them not to play him as much. It could be anything like that. So then he doesn't play the first game because it was right after the tightness. Then you get into the second game where they did play him in England against England. And then the third game, I think it literally wasn't set up the way Greg would want to use them. And that's the problem is I think what we're, what we're leaning on. A lot of people wanted us to hold the ball and Greg said, no, we're going to go five in the back and just defend the ball. So at that point, geo doesn't make sense. Uh, but I think he was wrong with going into defending instead of trying to control. Uh, so in that case, I would have put Gio in. And then in that game, 45 minutes left, we had to put him in. And I think that's probably all he could go. And that's maybe why they didn't start him. But I, I honestly don't know. And I guess we'll never know. But um, I, I think maybe they were being a little more cautious due to the 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 club asking or them just, you know, not wanting to jeopardize this guy's future for somebody that's already made a glass at this point. I mean, how many times has he missed? Most of World Cup qualify, right? I mean, oh, it's been like the last two years. Yeah. Just hopping on the pitch. Well, uh, let's talk about building up to 2026 because we both said, hey, let's get into um, the Copa America 2024. And then reports were saying Canada's already locked that in. And then Max Breto said that his contacts in South America said that the U.S. is issuing for it. Well, not so fast. All right. And this is why. I didn't really want to run with it. <laughs> I like to wait for official announcements. There's some people that like, you know, like those aggregator accounts that just post anything. Um, there was a one talking as if it was a done deal. Uh, this is what I want to happen. But, and I think it will. I think that they're just kind of gun shy about talking about it right now. This was CONCACAF president, Victor Montagliani. This is what he said uh, about this. There was rumors coming out that it was going to be hosted here with Mexico and Canada and three other CONCACAF teams playing in this Carnival Copa America. Uh, and this is what he said about that. There's a lot of speculation around tournaments of that nature, and all I have to say is that it is speculation. We are always discussing the matters with all the confederations, but what's important, I think, is there's a bit of misinformation about some of these tournaments. It's really not the jurisdiction of a federation or a league to have those discussions. Those discussions are held by the confederations. It's between confederations. My gold cup is mine. Nobody talks about the gold cup other than me. Copa America belongs to Conambol and my partner, Alejandro Dominguez. That's where the discussion happens. I think there's a lot of misinformation for who can talk to who. Reality is, when I talk to Europe, I talk to UEFA. I don't talk to the Spanish Federation or the French Federation. I talk to UEFA. That's where those discussions are had. We will we will have those discussions. We've had them. We will continue with all of them to see how we can better our own competitions. 
maybe create new ones. And I think we will probably have some sort of announcement on any of that stuff, probably in the early 2023 stage. Because we understand how important it is to have these competitions, we're also discussing with FIFA about a test event similar to what they had in Qatar with the Arab Cup. So those are the things that are going to help not just our host nations, of course, but help the nations of CONCACAF. That was the CONCACAF president. So what do you take from that, Logan? Uh, I mean, I, I, I get what he's talking about. Like, I, I think it's only fair to let the regions and, and the federations decide what, you know, who's in their competitions, where the competitions take place. Um, and it does sound like there's a lot of moving pieces. However, I think just the fact that he has to go out of his way to address the speculation means that there, there is some kind of truth to what's going on. Um, I, I've always felt that way. If something comes out and somebody makes a statement, it's not because they're just trying to knock down the speculation. It's because it's gained enough momentum where they have to come out and talk about it. And I think when somebody comes out and talks about something, it's more likely to happen. Um, and I think with a lot of these federations, unfortunately, Jordan, I think they're just so corrupt that they just – they just seem like they're sitting there waiting for this to blow up and go, okay, here's all this evidence. Here's why they all think it's a good idea. The fans are behind it. These federations are behind it. Why not get all behind it with whatever the federate, the bigger federation, not just, you know, the American Federation or the Mexican Federation. I think they're trying to gain enough steam to where Victor could go to them and go, Hey, we've got a lot of support for this. Why not move it to the United States, Ecuador, I think it was Ecuador, uh, gave up hosting rights to it. Yeah, I mean, and we just talked about this last week. I don't want it hosted here, right? We got to get some experience in hostile environments. (laughs) Honestly, like I I say play it in Mexico or Canada. It's not going to get as much money there. And and that's why the the Gold Cup is always hosted in the U.S. and everything. It's just, you know, whatever. TV rights and everything else. But, I mean, could you imagine, like, hell, send it to Argentina then. Like... Like we talked about, I think somebody else wants to host it there. I read, um, not Ecuador though, because they gave it up. But I think there was another um, Conobol team that was interested. Now the thing is, if it does, if it does balloon to these three host nations and three more Concacaf, along with the like ten Conobol teams, it probably can't be hosted in somewhere that is not Brazil or Argentina. Yeah, (laughs) right. That's what I was thinking. At that point, then it would have to probably be here. And that's unfortunate because I want more of that hostile environment. So I need more of that stuff. And I get what other people are saying is it's a test event for, you know, 2026. But we had a test event. It's called 1994. And it was still the most uh, attended World Cup. So all the other teams could play here. We could play in Mexico City. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Why not? It'd It'd be more fair for everybody else. I feel like this is him telling everyone, knock it off. Stop leaking that this stuff is happening. Right. It's kind of He's what I'm getting from it. it. Yes. We exactly want to make this feels. announcement next year. Why do we have to have like people saying this is for sure happening? Like, chill. Victor was sleeping and his PR guy came in and was like, dude, you got to wake up. They're, they're talking about it. Like ESPN and all of them have been talking about it nonstop today about the fact that the U.S. is going to end up hosting this thing. And I read that kind of dry, but yeah. I can read it kind of upset too, right? Here, here, here yeah. it is upset. Uh, here's some misinformation. It's really not the jurisdiction of a federation or a league to have those discussions. Yeah. Those discussions are held by us, the confederations. My gold cup is mine. 
Right. Nobody talks about the Gold Cup other than me. (laughs) That's what I kind of got from it. But I don't know. Um, And then when he keeps saying, like, I don't talk to Spain or France. I talk to UEFA. Right? Like, it seems like he was very frustrated is what I got from it. (laughs) He's had, like, personal experiences with Spain and uh, the French Federations. (laughs) Stop leaking. (laughs) Um, Yeah. There we go. So that that's all of the U.S. based stuff. We're going to start looking ahead, uh, and well, I guess looking backwards first to the round of sixteen. Uh, so you know, it kicked off on Saturday. We recorded right after the game, and I want to thank everyone who stopped by and everybody who listened because that was like our biggest uh, episode of all time. So. And I get it because we went live right afterwards and because it was a disappointment. So I understand, right? Like uh, the, the negative vibes were, were flowing. But uh, after that game was Argentina, Australia, and Logan, this game was closer than I thought it would be. When it was 2-0, I said, this is over. And then there's an own goal in the 77th minute for Australia, and then they are peppering the goal the rest of the game, I was getting really excited. I was get I know I picked Argentina to win, but I was getting really excited for an upset here. And unfortunately, they couldn't pull it off. But Australia, I think, did better than anybody really anticipated in this game. The Socceroos, man. Arriving on the world stage are the Socceroos. Not even Gary Cahill. Like, I'm so confused as to what's going on. Tim Cahill. <laughs> Gary Cahill's Cahill. English. Gary, right. That's, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, the wrong one. But, um, no, I, I mean, kudos to them. Uh, God, we all had them, I imagine, right either behind Qatar or with Qatar. And as far as finishing the World Cup, we thought they'd be a quick out. Um, we we kind of joked about it, uh, I think, at the, the preview show. Um, but Jordan, I, I think it speaks more to how vulnerable this Argentina team is, or maybe like maybe the gap really is that close to where like we don't have, I mean, the closest thing now and we'll talk about it because it's coming up. Um, the closest thing we had to like a Ronaldo or a Messi just absolutely taking over a Tony Cruz or, you know, a Bastion Schweinsteiger, like the closest thing we have to that is Mbappe. But really so many of these teams have gotten so much better. The talent, the pool, um, it seems like a lot of younger generations are just latching onto the sport in other countries too, where it was already big. Now it's getting even more it's massive so it's just it's interesting to kind of point to like australia being uh, a formidable opponent against argentina but also the fact that like i think the gap's closing um that being said i i think argentina is very vulnerable in the positioning that they're in um argentina is gonna have to face i'm assuming a brazil team unless croatia can pull some magic again um but I mean, I think on this side of the bracket, anybody has a chance to advance to the final. So that's exciting. I like this side of the bracket, where I think on the other side, I think there's only one team that will advance. We can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, Argentina, Australia. Yeah, I think the rest of the world is just starting to catch up. Yeah. All the, You know, how many Australians are playing over in the Premier League or in Europe? And then you have, you know... It's not just the USA that's in, you know exporting these players. Everybody's getting and everybody's getting around the world able to travel and join different teams, different leagues and what they're doing is they're playing against better competition and it's making them better and it's making everyone better. And I guess you could say Australia 
it's working out for them that they left Oceania and went to Asia because now they're playing against better competition and they're more prepared for World Cups. That's what I kind of get from it. Uh, the, look, okay. Then Sunday. Su- Sunday was boring when it came to England-Senegal, right? That was awful. 3 nothing. England. Senegal started off pretty good. First, like, 10 minutes, I thought they were going to score. And then it's uh, Henderson in the 38th, Kane in the 45th, and Saka in the 57th. I turned it off at halftime. I was like, this game's over. And it was. Uh, any notes here about England? Um, Foden is playing in the place of Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling had to leave for yeah, personal I think, reasons. I think, yeah, his uh, so, house was getting robbed uh, while yeah. his family was there. Um, it looks like he might be trying to come back soon though. Uh, so yeah, he, he just wanted to check. He just wanted to check on his kids. Yeah. Um, and I love Raheem. Uh, Raheem's yeah. so dynamic. He adds so much to an England team that already has so much depth. Uh, when you have a guy like Bill Foden, just to step into that spot. Um, but Bukayo Saka looks fantastic. Um, Jude Bellingham is just on a whole different level. I can't wait to see him play for Manchester City next he year. He keeps getting linked to Liverpool, though. Yeah, yeah let's not do that. Um, did you see, too, that Yunus Musa was registered by Chelsea and Liverpool as targets? Like, they had scouts and mm. stuff showing I know Arsenal to to... was looking at him, too. Yeah, so that's exciting. But, again, I mean, Jordan, you could pull guys like Jack Grealish and Marcus Rashford, Kieran Trippier, Calvin Phillips, Eric Dyer, Connor Cody, like anybody off this – roster mason mount didn't start like it just the list goes on and Deservedly on, and on. Their so depth, right yeah. their depth is so extensive i mean connor gallagher can't even break the pitch and he's been phenomenal so it it is a testament to how good this england team is how deep they are I, like you said i thought within a 10 15 minute window i thought senegal looked like they could really compete but this tournament was over i think for them in this round of 16 when sadio mane wasn't going to be on the roster so I think that's a huge blow. Um, kudos to them, though. I mean, I, I thought they they battled. Uh, it goes to show that these African teams are always just a nightmare to play um, and probably a lot of fun to kind of watch. Uh, I'd love to go to AFCON. That'd be so cool. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it well-deserved win for England. They put them away. And like you said, at halftime, it just became boring because it just <laughs> England just dominated and, and took a sub in all their guys, five subs in. So, over quickly, uh, and now they get a big old rivalry matchup against France, so that'll be exciting. Yeah, earlier this, uh, <laughs> earlier that day on this on Sunday was the France Poland game, which uh, Poland had some chances, but uh, France had a lot of chances and couldn't put it away. And then they finally did Olivier Giroud, who is now the top goal scorer of France of all time. And he didn't even start playing, I think in a top league until 24 years old. So look, I love the guy. I loved him when he was at Arsenal and I was like, I want Chelsea to sign him. And they did. And he, he did pretty well for Chelsea and now it's sad. He's gone. And then Mbappe scores in the 74th minute and the 90th minute before Lewandowski gets his second goal through a penalty to make it three, one France. Logan, I want to ask you a question here when we talk about Mbappe. All right. Now, I jumped the gun back in 2014 because Thomas Mueller had 10 goals. Logan, he had 10 goals 
through the 2014 World Cup. And I said, he's got two more World Cups in him. He's going to break Miroslav Klose's record of 16. That is it, right? Miroslav Klose in 2014 scored another goal uh, or a couple goals to pass the Brazilian Ronaldo, who had the most goals of all time in a World Cup. That was 15 goals over his three World Cups he played in. Or, yeah, four World Cups he played in. Um, 19 games played, Ronaldo had 15 goals. Miroslav Klose played in four World Cups, and he got 16 goals. And then uh, below below Ronaldo is uh, Mueller, Gerd Mueller from West Germany. uh, Played in two World Cups. Two World Cups, Logan, 70-74. He played 13 games. He scored 14 goals. It's insane. That's more than one goal a game. And then you have uh, Just Fontaine. In <laughs> this is the real insane right now. Of course, this is totally not modern times. All right, 1958. Just Fontaine for France scores 13 goals in six World Cup games in 1958. <laughs> he didn't play another World Cup after that. All right. <laughs> One World Cup, he scores 13 goals. Pele, who has 12 goals and is recovering. Uh, he's he's going to be going home from the hospital. They they had this whole article, I don't know if you saw it, where they had him like pretty much on his deathbed. He said he's feeling better, he's going home. Uh, so a little bit of misreporting there, I guess. He scored 12 goals in his four World Cups from 58 to 70. And then you go down, down, down the list. Thomas Mueller is still at 10. He never scored in 2018 or 2022. So I was wrong. But where I'm asking you here, I know this is a long lead-in, Mbappe has nine. He's 23 years old, Logan. He's only played in two World Cups, and guess what? He's got at least one more game in him. By the end of his career, does he have more than 16 World Cup goals? Yeah. Like, I think he leaves this World Cup with at least 10. So, <laughs> that's six. Uh, there's no way. Like, he's not even to. That's what's scary. He's not even to his, like, real prime yet. <laughs> like, it's not even close. The next World Cup he plays in the United States, we're yeah. going to be watching. We're going to be watching Killian Mbappe. If Jordan, France I think, is beat the playing. Record. If France is playing <laughs> in New York or Philadelphia, we're I'm going, going to that game. I'm, yeah. I'm going to see Mbappe live yeah. in a meaningful game, not like a PSG friendly or something like that. That's something to think about. And I, I'm tempted to agree with you, but then I remember my Thomas Mueller prediction, which looked pretty good. You know, I mean, it looked pretty good. Two world cups. He had 10 goals and you're like, he's young. He's got at least two more in him. And it'll be interesting to see where Mbappe finishes at the end of his career here. I don't know how old Thomas Mueller was in 2014. I have to check. So he's 33 now. So eight years ago. 25. But he was born in September. So he was 24. He was one year older than Mbappe with one more goal than Mbappe. So this could all go south, right? I mean, like, who knows? But just something to think about. And guess what? I haven't even read two of the biggest stars names Messi and Ronaldo how many does Messi have he has nine as well <laughs> how many World Cups has he played in five Ronaldo really has five? eight and he's played in five World Cups they both 
arrived in 2006. Yeah. Uh, Messi just got his first knockout goal. I mean, that is that is insane. I remember that being the biggest knock on him, right? And hell, Ronaldo can't even play in a knockout game. <laughs> yeah, he gets benched. We'll get to there. We'll get to there because they really ran that score up. But yeah, 3-1 France wins. And I'm starting to think that France is looking better and better each game. I I think they beat England. We'll get there, I guess. I think so. Yeah. I, I think they do. All right. And then on the fifth was a Japan-Croatia game that goes to penalties and some awful penalties from Japan, but also some really great saves from Croatia. Build the statue. Build the statue for the keeper of Croatia, Livakovic. Livakovic, right? Um, He made three saves, I think, right? Three? Yeah, three. Definitely two. One of them hit the bar, I think. But uh, he he definitely saved a couple, and Japan didn't make it. But Japan scored first. They scored in the 43rd minute by uh, Maeda, and then Perisic scored in the 55th minute. And it goes 3-1 on penalties. Croatia moves on. If you thought that was an impressive penalty performance, you didn't see anything yet. We'll get there for the uh, Tuesday games. Or, yeah, Tuesday games. Uh, but then we had Brazil absolutely obliterate Korea on Monday. 4-1 it finishes. Viniscus. In the seventh minute, Neymar steps up in the 13th minute for a penalty. It was over at that point. Then you have Richarlison in the 29th minute and Paqueta in the 36th minute. And then Paik for South Korea scores in the 76th minute. Uh, A great goal, but a consolation goal nonetheless. What are your your thoughts here? Are you thinking Brazil-France final? I'm starting to lean that way. I think it's the most exciting and intriguing matchup of oh, the bunch definitely. now. Um, like, I, I think the next match I'm anticipating, hopefully, is the Brazil-Argentina game. Oh, yeah. So I think that'll be massive. Um, That's what I'm hoping for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think as a neutral fan, like, I would love to see Brazil square off against the French. Like, could you imagine the firepower behind that? Like, the teams are just stacked and loaded with talent. Um, guys that play each other on a regular basis in the Premier League um, and some of the top leagues in the world. Um, so, yeah, no, I I mean, I, I think you probably lean the same. No, you got Argentina, don't you? I did yeah. have them in the final. Uh, they haven't looked as strong as Brazil, though. Right. I'm regretting it. I, they just haven't looked as good. I mean, they've been... Uh, Rafinha I is, really liked this Korea team, and Brazil yeah. mattered them. Slaughtered them. Yeah. yeah. Smacked and, them around. Yeah. And you and I, uh, back when we had stoppage time, I mean, we, you and I talked about often how good Rafina is, uh, mm-hmm. how good Richarlson has looked. Uh, it's like a resurgence. Yeah, the poor yeah. guy's just stuck on a bad team. Um, but, when he was on Everton Ends. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's just stuck. <laughs> poor dude. He'll just get off. Of, I mean, he's so good. He's so talented. He, it's just a waste at that point. But, jeez, um, it's just – we're getting to the point, Jordan. I mean, it's, it, I think we're going to get a repeat winner unfortunately but yeah i do think this has the chance to be there one is of the a most... chance there is yeah. a chance though there we'll is talk about yeah. that team but yeah go ahead. there's one of the most this is probably one of the most star-studded finals that we'll have since germany uh was that germany argentina um when they played each other like i think this is the next big one that it's like wow this is like 
this is a dream for soccer fans, I think. Neymar versus technical director at PSG Mbappe <laughs> in a final against each a other. Story. They've had so many, you know, there's been so many videos posted about like their exchanges when they're frustrated with each other yep. at PSG. Imagine them in a final against each other and a chance for Mbappe to be like, no, I'm the legend here. Neymar. Yeah. I am the one that this is all about and I'll prove it to you here and I'll prove it to you at the club, but I'm the one that's going to win a second world cup and Neymar's not going to get a chance on it. Like that, that's uh, some fun stories that can happen. We'll see. And then we had the, the Tuesday games, which started off with Morocco and Spain. And this game, while it finished nil-nil, <laughs> Spain had most of the possession. 77% possession to 23. Their XG has one for Spain and 0.72 for Morocco. 13 shots for Spain. Six shots for Morocco. But only, what was it, one... One, uh, one shot on target for her, for Spain, two on target for Morocco. Spain completed almost the same amount of passes it completed against Russia when Russia knocked them out on penalties in 2018. So this is a growing trend for them. And I think, you know, I think it was a commentator I was listening to where somebody tweeted out, like, I think it was Alicia Rodriguez who we had on the show for LAFC previews. But she said about how the the team didn't look super thrilled when Luis Enrique was giving his commands and stuff. And uh, I'm sure he's, I haven't read anything, but I'm sure he's probably out as Spain manager at this point, right? It's a disappointment for Spain, right? I mean, especially the guy that scores the winning penalty in the shootout, uh, Hakimi was eligible for Spain. He grew up in Spain, but he went and played for the country. His parents are from Morocco, and he's the one that sets, sends home Spain. Uh, but this was an incredible penalty shootout because while uh, Spain missed all of them, they were all saved by uh, by Morocco's goalkeeper, which was uh, Bonu. Right? Uh, yeah. Why does he have such a bad... He plays for Sevilla, but why does he have such a bad fought mob rating? That's dumb. Uh, but <laughs> like man of the match, but yeah. Um, I mean the the Spain goalkeeper has a better rating than that's eh, stupid. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's why people don't screenshot like fought mob numbers and like match ratings and like try to make points with them because they're they're dumb. Uh, but yeah, Morocco wins on penalties and sends Spain home. And that's fun because you know what it would have been, Logan? It would have been an all UEFA and Conobol quarterfinals. We do have one African team that snuck in there. Uh, your thoughts on uh, any of that? I think... Uh, it's exciting just because uh, Morocco is not is not any uh, team that anybody picked. Um, I think you said with with Spain, um, they're interesting because they've got like a 
they've got like a generation we're missing, but then again, like the generation that they have in that spot is not like they don't have like that star, right? They don't have like the starlet like Messi. They don't have the starlet like Ronaldo. They don't have the starlet uh, like uh, Olivier Giroud. No, um, but they just don't have uh, like America Laporte, maybe. Busquet, but he's like Laporte's old. not a star. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> nobody's like, like nobody's no. like, oh, I gotta watch the right. game because Laporte's <laughs> like. <laughs> um, but Can you imagine I, I Laporte think, versus Mbappe? Yeah. Mm, no, no. But he, but like, I, I think he's the only one on that list that you go, okay, like he plays for a big club that's actually it's like very he's done decently team, at, yeah. at Man City, but like this is a very young team. I think they've got a lot of growing to do. And you and I talked about this. Uh, Ferran Torres, having watched him play at City, there's times where he looks great. And then there's times where he just disappears. It's not like he's a consistent goal scorer at times where he's just, it seems like he's not in the right spots. They doesn't have anybody to create for him. Um, I do feel like they're they're going to be in like a weird spot. I, I just don't feel like the generational talent coming through Spain right now is excellent like it usually is um because if you think about it i mean top talents if you're looking at premier league a lot of it's young brazil a lot of it is like julian alvarez with argentina you've got mbappe with france um you've got holland with norway which they'll never really get back into it, i don't think but um i mean you're looking at young talent and it it's never spain I can't even think of somebody that would be that jumps off the map uh, in Spain. I think that's the big issue that they have. England's got like 36 young kids that they've got that are just exploding onto the scene. Well, um, I, some of those are overrated. <laughs> yeah, but like, but they've got Foden. I think's great. I think Bellingham's uh, gonna be one of the top midfielders in the world. So I mean, you, you've got good young talent there. I, I think that what my my point is just that Spain yeah. just doesn't have that guy. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't pay enough attention to the youth academies of Spain and to know if there's like a 16 year old coming, but even then he'd still be 20 by the time they get to the next one. So, yeah, I think, I think they do have a lot of talent. I think it's just their golden generation was 2010 and, and they won yeah. it all that year. And other than that year, this Spain is not known for being like a big powerhouse in the world cups. And now we're starting to see it fall apart because those players have left because those players have aged out. And I think part of it is that they're they're too set on their way of being this ticky-tacka style that, look, we're going to have 80% of the possession and we're going we're gonna to lose to Japan. And then we're going to go lose to Morocco. You know, this is technically a draw. But this is two straight losses, right? And this is after you looked really good against Costa Rica, which now makes me think Costa Rica just was really bad that day <laughs> because, yeah, like, yes. th they held their own against Germany. They they beat Japan. Like Costa Rica, I, you know, I think it's funny that 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 had happened. Then they lose seven nil, and then Spain can't really score that much since then, and it, it's crazy. Um, I don't know what's where they go from here. I think they have to bring in a manager that maybe has some different philosophies, and I know that maybe that's not what they want. I, I don't know. I would love to. I would love to be able to talk to like Spanish 
football fans see what they think of their national team and what they think that they should be doing going forward. Because to me, it seems like they're almost scared of, of losing possession. So they don't take the risk going forward and it ends with them not taking as many shots. And when you don't shoot, you can't score, right? When you have one shot on target, if that's your only shot on target, you're most likely not going to score. There's the sometimes where, you know, you get the stat like against Netherlands, right? Where all three of their shots on target were goals or whatever. But that's rare because a lot of times these players need to warm up. The goalkeeper is going to be in on the action. Like it's going to be tough. You need to create as many actual chances that you can. So that way one of those slip through and you win that game. But they don't have that. And uh, that's that's kind of unfortunate for them. And I I don't know if they're going to be the powerhouse everybody thought they would be after 2010. I think a lot of people thought at that point, like, this is what Spain will be now. But I also think people have learned how to play against that. And also when you don't have uh, Iniesta and Xavi and David Villa and Fernando Torres, and you don't have Sergio Ramos, and you don't have these players anymore, all of a sudden it's they're not as good because that those were just world-class players. And right now these, this team I think is too young to kind of have that world-class mentality and they could have it in 2026. They could come back stronger. We'll see how they do in the nation's league. We'll see how they do in the euros. You know, there's, there's opportunities to get it like a good look at them, but otherwise I'm starting to think that, 2010 was more the aberration, right? Like the, it's not the, not like an ascendancy. It was a blip. Which is a shame because you, you know, you want more nations to win. You know, we have Brazil with five, Germany with four, Italy with four, Spain with one, right? France with two. Like there are some of these nations that don't have a lot. And, uh, talking about a team that's never had one, Portugal, Everybody thought this game was going to be super tight. Portugal versus Switzerland. This game was anything but. It was as open as, I don't know, uh, insert uh, some sort of simile, I guess, here. But it was, uh, (laughs) the biggest story was not the starting 11. The biggest story was the bench, right? Ronaldo sitting on the bench. Um benched for Goncalo Ramos who goes and scores a hat trick you know like you're one to do when you finally get an opportunity after they bench Ronaldo (laughs) you score three goals for the first hat trick of the 2022 World Cup there's also a goal from Pepe in there a goal from uh, Guerrero and Liao in the 90th and then Akanji in the 58th minute for Switzerland but uh, I look, I, I was at work. I couldn't watch this one. I was listening to a bit of it, but then it became a blowout. And I was like, I cannot listen to this anymore. Uh, your thoughts, Logan, on a 6-1 victory for Portugal. Can they be the next team, the ninth team, to win a World Cup? No. <laughs> no. Um, I think out of the remaining teams that have not won a world cup, they're the best bet. 
if I had to put Yeah, they look better than the Netherlands. Yeah. I'll um, say that. Yeah. And I think they've got a good squad. Like I'm not saying that they don't have a good squad. I just think that they lack the superpowers of what Mbappe is, what Neymar is. Um, they just, I don't know, like Portugal have a good overall team. I think they're one of the best constructed teams um, uh, in the tournament. And I think that they play well together. Um, now they've, they've got ridden of, uh, rid of the headache. Jordan, I think the most interesting thing I thought of this today, I thought, um, isn't it crazy that this will be the last time that we hear about Cristiano Ronaldo if he doesn't go back and start playing again in like MLS because with his pending deal to Al Nasser, well, he said that's this not could true. Be it. He said really? that, yeah, he said he never agreed to anything. So, okay. <laughs> so, but I, he's done with United. I don't think yeah. teams want him. I think he's a cancer on the team. I don't think he would want it. I think because well, it's all about teams, him. Yeah, the only teams desperate enough to take him, I think, are if he went back to Portugal. If he went back home to play, I think they could do that. I think if he heads over to the United States, there's going to be teams that bite on him. But I just think that, like, the big clubs, they're done with him. I couldn't see Madrid wanting to ever bring that back. I couldn't see anybody in Spain ever getting him. I can't see him going to another Premier League team. I can't see him in Syria ah, again. Like There, I, were, I just... there were links with Chelsea before the blow-up. Before the blow-up. But yeah. I think that's part of the stuff that's maybe it's really changed a lot of perspectives on it. I don't think he has a lot of offers, like you said. Right. And the thing is, too, he's stubborn, right? Yes. What can, who can we compare this to in other in other leagues that he is pre- past his prime and doesn't seem to notice that he is, right? Doesn't want to believe he is. And he wants to play Champions League football and no, no team in the Champions League is probably going for him. So now he has to either lower his demand. Yeah. I think he doesn't want to take the Saudi deal because I think he thinks that makes him look like he's done. Yeah. No, it is. It's pride with him. It's always been that way. It's all about him. 211 yeah. <laughs> million US dollars a season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's turning it down, most likely, yeah. because, and most people don't, but he's turning it down because he's thinking, I got more to offer. And the thing is, he doesn't. He hasn't scored a free kicks were his thing. He hasn't scored one of those in years. Hit right into the wall every single time. Uh, they benched him. They win 6 1. The guy who replaced him scores a hat trick. You can't start him, right? You can't start him uh, going into the next game, right? They're no. playing Morocco. You yeah, can't no. start Ronaldo, right? No. No, he sits on the bench. He collects dust. Seventeen minutes. If he wants to go play, then he can. And they won a Euros without yeah. Ronaldo. He got injured, and he was kind of coaching on the sideline. This team just functions better without him. They got Morocco next. I think they beat Morocco, but Morocco. I mean, Morocco's going to have to score. They can't take it to penalties again. I don't think. They've got a good team. Uh, they do, especially without Ronaldo. I think it opens up so much because he just he, he hogs the like he just takes the ball and he hogs it. He, it's all he wants to do. Well, the, He's the not amazing, fast anymore. Like, the, the amazing thing about it, right, is that for a while, like the, Portugal's still pretty new at this. Like I think their first one that they had made the World Cup in a long time was two thousand two, and then they've been consistently getting here. They won a Euros. 
they Ronaldo was like the peak of what they were able to produce, and now they're producing these really fun players. They're you know Bruno Fernandez and and, and Joao uh, Felix. Yeah, Joao <laughs> Felix. I mean, they're they're, yeah. they're starting to actually produce some better players, and now they're looking really, really good. I think it would be funny though if Ronaldo won a World Cup before Messi. I think I think that'd be kind of funny, uh, just with that. It's our last chance rivalry thing, and yeah, it's it's one of these two's last chance. But um, I don't know. I think I probably take Messi. Right? I, he's more informed. Yeah. He's still scoring goals. He's the heart of that Argentina team while Ronaldo's crying on a bench. So let's look ahead to the quarterfinals, and then we'll make some predictions or something as we go. Uh, so we have games that are, is it, it's Friday and Saturday. Okay. Mm-hmm. This was throwing me off. This said tomorrow on my thought mob. Cause I think it has English time. So I think it's on England time zone or something. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, no games today, no games tomorrow. Games start again on Friday at 10 a.m. Croatia, Brazil. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go Brazil here, right? Yeah. Uh, I'll go, I'll go. They'll, they'll beat this team four-one. That's what I'm gonna go with because Croatia didn't really impress me against Japan. And and when you have Maldrick, who's like 37, 38, <laughs> like. It's it's getting to the point where the, that team's getting old too. They had a really magical run in 2018. That was their chance. I don't think they're going to get past Brazil here. What's your what's your score line? Yeah, the way Brazil's playing right now, they're firing on all cylinders. Uh, I think a heavy favorite to come out of that side of the bracket now, especially with the way the other three teams have looked at times. Um, they're going to be desperate. This team's going to be really desperate to to get to that stage to win a World Cup. I'm saying. I'm going to go Brazil. I'm going to go 3 0 Brazil. Going for the shutout. Awesome. And then we have Netherlands, Argentina, and uh, Memphis Depay uh, was having. Did you see him like clapping back at Charles Barkley? Yes. He was like, they're obsessed with me over there or whatever. And I'm like, all bark, no bite. I'm like, dude, he doesn't know anything about soccer. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna take what a basketball pundit is saying to heart. Okay, yeah, that's because you need somebody to fuel you, I guess. Yeah, right? I guess. So. But yeah, it was kind of ridiculous. Uh, I I'm gonna go ahead here and say Argentina wins this, and I'm gonna go with another close one. I'm gonna go two one. Argentina win. Uh, Netherlands are easily exposed. Argentina have some really good attacking players. Lautaro Martinez, they've got uh, Julian Alvarez, they've got Lionel Messi. Um, I think they've got the firepower up front. But that being said, I do feel like Netherlands, I mean, they're still a good team. Uh, and I think the U.S. got to see that. Jordan, I'm going to say that Argentina underperforms, but they're still going to win. I'm going to say it's a 1-1 draw with penalty shootouts going to Argentina. Oh, I'm going to ask you another prediction. I want you to tell me here. Does Messi miss or make his penalty? He makes it. Ah, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I just He's got a weird feel to him this year. Like, he's got, like, that man-on-a-mission kind of feel to him. 
So. Yeah, except for when he missed his penalty. Yeah, it's fine. He doesn't need to make penalties. He's Lionel Messi. You tell <laughs> yeah. him. Uh, okay, so then we're looking ahead to Saturday. Morocco, Portugal. I've got Portugal here. Um, and I'm going to go a Portugal win of 2-0. Oh, so many Manchester City players on Portugal. I got to go for him. Uh, I love Ruben Diaz so much. Joao Cancelo so much. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Portugal. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go same scoreline two nil. I think uh, Morocco is going to have a hard time with Portugal. And this leads to the biggest one, I think, yeah. the one that a lot of people are looking forward to: England, France. I think we kind Goliath of maybe, Goliath. I think we maybe already kind of tipped our hands to where we're going, but I'm going to go France here. Three, one. Ape scores this, two. Yeah. This is where it's going to get wild. The United States is going to ride in on a camel. I don't know. I was going to make it. And we're going to, we're going to play instead. And we're going to storm the pitch and take over. Um, no. Uh, yeah. We already alluded to it. They, they've got the best player in the world. A guy that's going to be on the, uh, center stage for like the next eight years. I think, I think he's going to get a huge transfer out of PSG at some point, whether it be this coming winter or next summer. I feel like he's just, it's just like he's destined to head to Real Madrid. For if some he reason. wants to be a star. Yeah. He has to, I know he's already a star, but like, if you want to break into the American market at all, uh, league Un is on like BN sport. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it's never leaving BN sport because I believe they have ties with the PSG ownership so yeah they do you're gonna you're gonna need to go to like real madrid or the epl because yep real madrid espn puts that game on abc if mbappe is playing in classico in el classico or something so yeah i agree with you that he's probably getting a big transfer but uh did you say a score sorry not yet no i i think I think it's gonna be close. Uh, I'm gonna say it's a two-one draw or two-one win. Two-one draw. Uh, two-one draw. Yeah, that's gonna. Two-one win feels like a draw. Yeah. Uh, it's a late <laughs> last-minute goal. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say that Mbappe gets two goals as well. I'm gonna say he's okay. the scorer for France. England just looks like they're too easily exposed at the back, and he's got Harry Maguire written all over him. So, yeah, you know, Harry Maguire looked right really good in the group yeah. stage, but he didn't look yeah. great in <laughs> no. the other game I checked. He looked like regular Harry Maguire for Manchester United. So, All right, so that sets up our um, the semifinals, which start on Tuesday the 13th and Wednesday the 14th, which I took off those days. So I'm going to be mm. chilling. I'm going to be watching Suck. those games, playing video games while I wait. I'm glad the England and France games on Saturday, though. Like, Yes. It's going to be great. I know. Joy was way. like, I think her parents want to get together or something. And I was like, after two, like four o'clock, <laughs> like five o'clock. Like, I'm not doing it at, at two. We got what a, a big clash. Game. Yeah, crazy. Uh, I, I don't know. I think Netherlands-Argentina is still going to be a lot of fun. I think they faced off against each other a few times in World Cup history. I feel like their styles are very different. The and then play. we have, um, yeah, Croatia-Brazil. 
That one I think is just going to be easy. I think it's just yeah, going to be really. I think easy. it's going to be the worst of the bunch. And I think Mor- I think if Morocco shows up, that game's entertaining. But if yeah, they don't show up, headache, Portugal yeah. batters them. And then I think we have two really good matchups: Netherlands, Argentina, England, France. The other two are toss-ups if they're going to be good or blowouts. So that's kind of where we're at. Uh, any last thoughts on where we're at with the World Cup? How have you been enjoying this World Cup? Yeah, I mean, the games I've gotten to see or listen to, uh, they've just been a lot of fun. I think it, it makes me even more excited for 2026 just mm-hmm. because, Jordan, there's a lot of cool things that I think that are going to be happening in 2026. There might be a chance we get to see Erling Haaland over here in the United States with the expansion of Maybe. teams coming over. They're not very good, so hopefully they can just get in somehow. Maybe we can, like, extend He has to our, score, our, like, seven a game. Yeah, he does, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think – or either that or he's going to have to find some other citizenship. Um, <laughs> Follow it one-time switch. I think he's American. Um, but, I, yeah, I, it makes me look forward to next year's tournament – or next, uh, next cycle's tournament – um, three and a half years away. But, I mean, this World Cup speaks for itself. I, I'm glad that I've gotten to see some of the games. I'm glad I get to see one of the biggest games in the world. Um, probably it takes place over the next four years between England and France. So uh, that's exciting. And all my coworkers are British, so uh, it's exciting for them. So actually, the better they do, the better uh, mood that they're in. So uh, I guess uh, it's coming home, huh? No, England loses. <laughs> no, England's losing. We both picked it. <laughs> Mbappe says, not today. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I think it's been a great tournament. Uh, you know what's funny? Once this tournament kicked off, I haven't heard anybody be be like, it doesn't feel like a World Cup. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, that went out the window. The tournament started, and it's great. It's now, a wild tournament. The on the field stuff's great, right? There's yes, there's still yeah. very big problems in Qatar. At Qatar. <laughs> yeah. But from what we're seeing on the field, we had great end of the group stages. Yeah. We had uh some great round of 16 matches. Like I'm having a heck of a time. And what you said earlier about Mbappe possibly playing here in 2026 gave me goosebumps. Like I yeah. didn't even fathom that. I've been so wrapped up in yeah. like just let's get to host it, right? Yeah. And maybe I can see a U.S. game to now being like, I can maybe see one of the best players in the world in a meaningful game. We don't get that a lot. Yeah, right? pit them up against Mexico uh, when they come over here, throw them into uh, New Our, York. Ours is like, <laughs> ours is like, um, you know, go see Chelsea Barcelona where they play for like 45 minutes and then sub yeah. out the whole team, you know, like, but we this will be the best players on the be biggest stage uh, guys that we have been watching for the last, you know, decade, Jordan, yeah. just guys that, that'll be here. I mean, hey, watch, watch France here. not make it now. They'll pull in Italy <laughs> or something. <laughs> like we'll look back at this four years from now and be like, well, we didn't get to see any of that. <laughs> that would suck. And then what's really sad is like, I mean, I could see it kind of, but not, I mean, Mbappe is just so good. But then again, I mean, it is just Mbappe sometimes. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Way to go. You, you jinxed it. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to give us some follows or catch up with us at Stateside Show on, you know, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, 
you can reach us via email statesideshow at gmail.com for any questions comments concerns you can leave a review that helps other people find us or rate us on itunes spotify has started doing that as well but check out youtube because jordan made a nice new stream yard yes yeah if you're listening check it check check it out check out the new layout the new thumbnails i don't know i'm pulling double duty here uh but you'll get paid enough no it's been good though it's been you know uh during this world cup we've gotten a little bit more viewers and i just want to thank everyone who's ever listened or watched us and yeah i'm really excited to see how it goes uh from here I can't believe it's only like less than two weeks away from yeah. the end of the tournament already. So, and then after that, let's quick roadmap. We'll talk world cup after each stage of the world cup. And then we'll kind of probably take a break around Christmas, but there'll be, there'll have to be a time where we talk about Garth Lagerway leaving Seattle to go to Atlanta. There's been some internal moves that have been happening. We'll get to all of that great stuff after the world cup. So just if you're if you're here for the MLS news, we're kind of busy. It's coming back. Up. <laughs> it's coming, it's back. coming back after the All World 30 Cup. team previews, whatever it is now. <laughs> yeah. Every day. Be ready. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, every day. Yeah. We'll go live nine to five every day. <laughs> Somebody would like to sponsor us and then we could do it. But <laughs> then we, if then not, we could, then, yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks everyone for listening and watching. Have a great rest of your week. We'll catch you for the quarterfinals and then semifinal previews. Tomorrow throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the u.s men's national team americans abroad mls usl this is stateside soccer show presented by stop it's time soccer show have a good one